Welcome to the MS Dev Show, episode number 100. This week, we cover all the announcements from Build 2016, including Bash on Windows, Free Xamarin, and Azure without a server. We also pick a winner for the big swag bag giveaway. This episode of the MS Dev Show is brought to you by Infragistics, providing tools and solutions to accelerate design, development, insights, and collaboration for any organization. Hashtag Brandon episode. Hey, hey. <laughs> That's your entire introduction. That's it. This is episode 100, man. So that is pretty epic. It is epic. This is pretty epic. So that time has finally come along, Carl. Yes. We finally give, get to give away the dynamic swag bag. And I call it dynamic because we're still figuring out everything we want to shove into it. Uh, but it's lots and lots of really good stuff. Yeah. So what, what we'll probably do is actually Jason and I are getting together tonight and we're going to be packing the swag bag, putting a video up. So if you want to see whatever the winner got, you'll be able to check out a video of everything that you probably missed because we only That's picked good. one winner. I didn't even think of making a video. So I actually have a video of us uh, choosing the winner, the winner and showing off some of the swag. So if you want to go check that out, um, by the time this episode go, comes out, it will be published. So go to aka.ms slash Jason, and that will take you to my dev vlog thing that I've been uh, playing around with, with some various footage from build and some other things. Okay. Should I play the winner here? Yes. Or, or do you actually don't even mention who it is. We'll just play it. And then he'll be like, he'll be like, that's uh, that guy sounds cool. And then he'll be like, wait a second. That's me. <laughs> okay, here we go. Hey, Jason and Carl, this is Tim Farrow sending you a five-star audio review for your MS Dev show, as well as in addition to my five-star iTunes review. Uh, I'm a .NET, JavaScript, SharePoint, Office 365 type developer, uh, and this podcast is really relevant to my interests and, and my career as well. I want to let you know I think you've been doing just a fantastic show lately, from guests to topics to production, pretty much everything. I really like that you weave in soft skills related podcasts with the tech-focused ones as well. It's definitely been helpful in my career as I do a lot of public speaking events uh, and presentations and things like that. I've created a subscription on my iPhone, and I look forward to each episode that you guys put out. My favorite one of the past few months was Karen McGrain on responsive design. I've been doing a ton of responsive work with Bootstrap lately, and it was really just perfect timing for me. I ended up sending that podcast to uh, a couple different UX friends, and I was also able to use some of that info in client meetings. Uh, I think she was fantastic, and I hope you have her back to chat about adaptive design in the future. Besides that adaptive session, if I could choose an upcoming uh, topic, it would definitely be Visual Studio Code. I really like that program, and I use it all the time for my Bootstrap and other web development stuff. Uh, thanks for putting out a great podcast. Keep up the good work. And I've got my fingers crossed for the swag bag giveaway. Epic review. <laughs> yeah. And for those of you who didn't, um, actually send us your uh, mailing address. We have some consolation prizes we'd like to send you. Um, actually, I'll be reaching out to you so you don't have to reach out to me. But just so you know, we will be collecting and sending everybody who participated uh, a little bit of something, as well as we're going to take some of the, uh, not all, but some of the winners, and we're going to uh, put those in another uh, 
release on Jason's vlog as well, because he likes promoting his vlog. <laughs> all, all five episodes. Yes. Uh, so yeah, that, that was just, it was just such an awesome review. I mean, he touched upon everything he's, uh, you know, people like that really contributed to the success of the podcast. So we wanted to, uh, thank him. And this is just an awesome swag bag. Um, you know, like we've mentioned before, um, the, the, the back, the backpack itself, we actually, um, Infragistics send us a whole bunch of stuff. So we're going to put that in there as well. Uh, we have a tablet, we have, um, you know, stickers, like anything that, you know, if you follow, uh, Carl around a conference, like he, you know, he was at build. If you follow him around, like there's a trail of swag leading up to Carl, like all of the stuff that you would find behind him. Those are the things that we're putting into that bag. I, and I think you were following that trail. Like everybody you met, <laughs> they had some. Yeah, th- that was that was actually pretty epic by itself, uh, Carl. I mean, like you are an insanely awesome promoter. Like everybody that was at Build saw Carl at one point and and you know talked to him. And um, we saw uh, you know some of the presenters actually had the stickers, and if they didn't, they got stickers. Yeah, and uh, we were actually mentioned during one of the uh, yeah. the breakout sessions, so that was pretty awesome. So. Uh, yeah. Shout out to Matthew Heidinger. Yeah. But anyway, we're taking away uh, some glory here from Tim. But uh, so, yeah, thank you so much, Tim. So you'll get that. And I, um, yeah, I don't know. Is there anything else you wanted to mention about that? No, but just as a reminder, one thing that he does get that we give away every week is the Infragistics Ultimate License. Yep. If you would like to get mentioned on the show and be entered in to win that, send us an email at feedback at msdevshow.com, comment on Facebook, iTunes, Stitcher. We love those five-star iTunes reviews. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much to all of our fans for all the feedback that we've gotten. Okay. So all of the news this week is just build. So I got to go. You got to go, Carl. You didn't go. Did you, Brandon? No. Oh, bummer. I was trying to tell him to go anyways. That would have been awesome. Have you ever been to build? No, I tried to go maybe next year. Yeah. I I watch. I did watch. Okay. Well, that's good. You got to be there though. Cause it's all about the people. And, uh, it's really cool. I mean, cause you get like the Microsoft MVPs, you know, people like Carl that are just so excited about, um, you know, all of the technology and the announcements. And I mean, that's really what I go for is the, the people there. Okay. So let's, let's figure out how to attack all this news. Um, I have sort of a mega post here that covers a little bit of everything. Um, so I guess we'll just start, kind of start from the top here. So we'll start with windows. So there was a lot of windows announcements. So the first thing here, anniversary update and it's free. So basically this is the latest update we're calling it the anniversary update. Yeah. A lot of mixed, uh, opinions on that as well. Um, obviously it's the anniversary of the first year, but yeah. like, what are you going to call the next one? It's also an anniversary. If you do it on a yearly basis. Uh, I know, I know. Yeah. And, and you know, it, the way I say that naming is difficult, um, I think this is just setting setting up the naming to just be even more difficult yeah. because it's not something you can repeat. Like you said, you know, I, I would like to see something like OS 10 where they do dot one, dot two, dot three. I don't know, something like that. Um, something sort of repeatable that way we, it's very obvious, you know, cause I'm just imagining like 10 years from now when it's just like, yeah, I got build, you know, 2583.725, you know, also known as the, you know, I don't know, deca anniversary edition or something um so that's gonna be tough it'd be nice to just go off of a number but anyway i won't complain about that uh 270 million installs and i love that number that's just that is just a massive number and what i love is that a long time ago it dwarfed like every mac in existence (laughs) um so that's pretty exciting that there's more windows 10 machines out there uh let's see here 
Um, Edge, the Edge browser, biometric authentication for websites. This is huge. They, yes. they showed off a really impressive banking demo. Yeah. And I, I think for a lot of uh, uh, places that want to have that kind of authentication, um, not, not only is it more secure, but it really is a lot faster. Um, even though I have LastPass, um, I don't let it auto log into any of mine. And, it, you know, it's what's easier, clicking a button or just pressing my finger on something that I already have. I don't know, but I can imagine it being just as fast. Okay. Yeah. Faster is better. And if I get extra security, I'll go for that as well. Oh, let's see here. Ink workspace shows inking apps, um, and recent pen apps. So this is sort of hard to explain, but I think it's, it's whenever you push the, it was whenever you push the button on the pen, right? I'm trying to remember back. Yes. You get like this cool launcher because you know, there was, I think there was this struggle in windows 10, you know, originally you push that and you get like the modern version of OneNote, And then it was like, oh, okay, well I don't use the modern version. I use the desktop version. So then there was an option to switch, you know, like which one do you want to use? And then people were like, well, I don't want to launch OneNote. I want to do something else with it. I want to launch a different type of application. Uh, so this is a, this is a sort of an unexpected surprise where you get like this, uh, menu that pops up that will actually show you different options. So you can go click, you know, click the button on the pen, uh, select the app that you want to go into and it's all the pen friendly apps and boom, you're up and running. So I'm, I'm actually pretty excited about that one. So the other piece of that, that I thought was really cool is the new ruler. That's part of that inking experience. Oh yeah. totally. So you, so you can bring up that on-screen ruler and it'll essentially your pen can snap to the edge of the ruler. So you can draw perfect lines. Yeah. I heard people saying like, I wasn't sure if it was real or not <laughs> at first. It looked cause it looks like a real ruler, like sitting on the screen. Yeah, yeah if you look at the previews, it looks like one of those plastic ones you get from yeah. the dollar store. <laughs> yeah, it's transparent. Yeah. And then you just draw and it you can draw a straight line. That was pretty cool. Uh, do you do anything with uh with a pen, Brandon? Like on the computer? Um, no, I I've messed around with the uh Wacom or some people say yeah. Wacom tablets. Yeah. Um having the disjointed, like where you have a pad and you're drawing on a screen that's not connected is yeah. just I, I've never really cared for that. But um, I have tried like the Apple Pencil, and I, I like that. Um, so I, I'm really looking forward to some of this. I know, you know, when when the uh, Apple Pencil came out, everyone's like, "Well, Steve Jobs said that if you need a stylus, blah 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 blah." You yeah. know, it's it's dumb, but I, I think that we've seen that there is use for it. And they as said that as right, be, right before they bought it, of course. <laughs> right? Yeah, of course. <laughs> so. I, I think that there's just so much potential, especially when you start talking about, um, you know, some of the graphic industry and uh, you think of things like CAD and all of the like interactive stuff that's going to be u- really useful for. Yeah. Um, I will say it, it, it did remind me when I was watching the, the demo, um, I want to say it was Windows XP had an add-on pack where you could use a pen. Is that... Yeah, uh, I, I think correctly. it might have been, and then it was a also, tablet edition. It wasn't an yeah, tablet, yeah, but it was, right, it was an right. entire skew of Windows. Okay, and third third party OEMs would like package their own horrible stuff as well. Okay, yeah, I, it kind of gave me a throwback to that. So this this definitely looks a lot cooler and more seamless. So I'm I'm really excited for this. Yeah, yeah, this is much more complete. And and I will say, I mean, the pen is is pretty amazing. Um, I just have the Surface Pro three. I don't know if it improved on the four. But, uh, I mean, there's, there's no lag it's, you know, the, the tip is very fine and you can actually adjust like how, you know, how thick the lines are. Like it, it works exceptionally well. I've used it for like drawing, even though I can't draw, uh, writing, like my writing is incomprehensible. So, um, I don't really feel like writing things. 
Uh, but yeah, it's, it's a pretty neat concept. I'm sure a lot of people will be using that. Um, sticky notes are smart. Um, what was, what did they show so, off? I, I'm so they showed that. off, you, you could actually hand write on a sticky note and oh, it'll, yeah. it'll turn that into text automatically. Yeah. I think they showed, didn't they show like linking or something too? I can't remember what it was. There was a couple of features though that got added to, to sticky notes, which is pretty cool. Cause I don't think they've been changed for a long time. Uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Facebook Messenger bringing first-party UWP apps to the store. Thank goodness. So, time. yeah. I mean, I think, you know, that's that's like one of those apps where it's like one of the first apps that you tend to search for um, is, is Facebook. And I think Instagram is like that for a lot of people as well. Um, and I think right now there's like some, you know, shady, like third-party Facebook app in the store. And I think it's just, you know, it's literally just a page with like a, a, um, you know, web control in it. Um, and in all honesty, like it's not, it's not actually not that terrible. Uh, but having a first, first party app is, is going to be way, way, way better. Um, so that'll be interesting to see that I, I will download that immediately. And then also having messenger and, uh, you know, let me know if I'm wrong, but like, there's, there's really like, other than using the web-based one on windows, there's no great way to do this on windows today. Is there? I mean, there's no like, you know, messenger like sort of grew up on the phone and you can always use it when you're on facebook.com, you can use the messenger. But, um, I use some third party app on a Mac that, that gives me the messenger functionality, which is pretty cool. It's nice having it sort of a separate messenger thing that I can like drag around that window and all that. Uh, but there's, I don't think there's anything like that on the PC is there, there might be some, you know, third party alternatives there as well. So for me, that's kind of significant having just a messenger app. What I'll use uh, from time to time, uh, and I, I didn't know this until maybe like a month or two ago, mm-hmm. uh, Facebook bought Messenger.com. Okay. And, and it's actually a full screen, like full browser window uh, Messenger experience that it basically yeah. looks like the iPad version, if if I recall. Yeah. No, I, I've used that as well. But again, it's like a website I have to go yeah. to. There's there's no good I native app. It. I don't know. It's just not, it's not, it's never the same for some reason. Uh, this next one is really no big deal. Just bash coming to windows. Let's move on. <laughs> okay. So, okay. We'll talk. About so this, this just, one I'm gets, totally kidding. So this one gets a little bit interesting, not just in the feature, because I know this is something that a lot of people have wanted, but yeah. kind of th- this is coming in two pieces. So now, now there's a, a, a Linux subsystem for windows or vice versa. I can't remember how that goes, which is actually a takeoff on the uh, project Astoria. So a lot of the work that they did exposing those uh, Android APIs, Android's just Linux at, at the end of the day yeah. as a base. So a lot of the work that they did actually went into this. And then Ubuntu is actually going to be supplying all of these uh, core applications like Bash. No, seriously, this is like the coolest thing ever. Um, I was totally joking before because this isn't emulated that, you know, everybody's making a, a big point that this isn't like running in a virtual machine and doing some really funky stuff. They took all of the Linux or the rate, the Linux binaries and at the lowest level, uh, basically pointed them at the windows APIs instead. So all of the applications are on Ubuntu run on top of uh, windows now without any kind of modification. Um, so obviously, you know, they, they've mentioned things like, um, like Redis, and, um, my and things like that. I know that there are some applications that are doing like some super low level stuff, um, that obviously won't work, but I think those will be the exception rather than the rule. And, um, honestly, like the, 
the uh, um, you know command prompt experience hasn't improved uh, pretty much forever in Windows, and it was becoming more and more of a gap. OS X had this advantage of being built on Unix, mm-hmm. so it's like, oh, okay, we can just sort of pull away the covers and show you the the Unix underbelly, and you can do whatever the heck you want. Um, the frustration there was that Unix is not Linux, so there are some things that are kind of a pain in a Mac, like running uh, Docker, for example. Um, you know, you actually have to run Linux in a, in a, in virtual box to get that to work. So I'm super, super excited about the repercussions of having this over here. And the more I think about it, the more excited I get, because I mean, this completely closes that gap, uh, between the, the two experiences there. And you have this whole wide range of tools. I mean, just today I, I created, we had, we had somebody on our Facebook page say, Hey, I want to download all of your episodes. And I, I went out and I created a batch file and, um, to do that. And, and, and it's not perfect because I can't do string padding and some other things like that's really hokey. Like I just gave up honestly, uh, pretty quickly, but I, you know, I did get the script working, but the, it's just really weird how you have to do that. Like the, the, you know, windows batch files fall can, can fall down in many cases really quickly. Um, having bash available and all those little utilities, man, you can just do anything. I mean, it's really just a Swiss army knife of, of utilities. What I'm curious about is, can you set up like could you set up like cron jobs? And I mean, like how deep does this go as well as, you know, are those things available? I don't, I don't know if there's things that like start up whenever the computer starts. Um, but I'm just, I am just so pumped. Cause I think this, this, this like totally changes the, the windows experience for developers. And, and, you know, one of the things that I see immediately useful is it, it's also going to change how, since we have .NET everywhere, yeah. With Bash, we can manage all of our applications on any system with the same scripts as well. So I, I heard a Ooh. lot of talk about people excited for that. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I mean, do we do we just go like the Linux route for everything now? I mean, do I stop writing batch files and do I just write it in Linux because I'm covering two operating yeah. systems? So it, there's there is a drawback with that, at least as it stands today. My understanding is that the Bash, um, well, I mean, the Linux subsystem really can't interact with uh, Windows applications, at least at at the go. So if you wanted to do like an all-inclusive script, right, that touches, you know, your Linux, you know, applications you pulled off the app get, um, and then you also want to tie into, let's say, like a PowerShell script that kicks off some Azure commandlets, you can't really cross the subsystem barrier, at least from my understanding of their initial announcement. Uh, But at the same time, uh, odds are that you're going to have more utilities at your disposal anyway, and you'll probably end up favoring a lot of the Linux-based uh, tool chain anyway. Did you just send me a pull request while we were recording the show? Yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> Multitasking. Uh, that's pretty hardcore. Also sent you an email. Um, <laughs> and I recompiled my operating system. And, so, <laughs> no big deal. Yeah. But, uh, so, yeah, uh, obviously, this uh, out of all the build announcements, to me, this is the one that matters the most because yeah. through and through, I'm a web developer, and web development lives and breathes, in all honesty, on the Linux platform. Yeah. Whether it's, you know, running on OS X, which is, you know, just, you know, from what well, I, guess, I think it's the most I think, common. For well, I them. think I think OS 10 is close enough that like all the tools, like if we take like uh, a Ruby and um, man, I don't know, uh, some, a lot of these these other languages and the tools. I think Linux and Unix are close enough, right? That they've 
that they're just, they work great on both of those things because they just, you know, tweak these tiny things. And in a lot of times what I've seen, um, you know, take Node.js for example, that was one of them where it ran great on Linux, uh, windows support came later. Um, and that was just because it was just a big hassle for them, you know, and now it seems like nothing, but it was a big hassle to, you know, support an entirely new platform. So I'm curious today, like if Node.js came out, would we see, I mean, would we basically see that running from day one? I, you know, I'm hopeful that, that that's the case and that totally changes things then. Yeah, I would say that if we can if we can get rid of that initial barrier, like I said, if right now crossing subsystems doesn't seem like it's possible. Yeah. Granted, this is V one, right? As far as yeah, I, well, yeah, exactly. So with with days. that thought in mind, taking the advancements that have come in Visual Studio, specifically Visual Studio twenty fifteen, where we can start piping stuff out to command line utilities like Node, the whole you know using Grunt and Gulp and all that stuff through uh, Node. Uh, being able to package manage with npm and Bower, well, now you can include the entire Linux ecosystem yeah. that runs in the user space. That's that's kind of the asterisk there. Yeah. Um, in Visual Studio. Yeah. So kind of to Carl's point, you know, our scripts. Do we favor command batch files? Do we favor PowerShell, or do we favor you know one of the most favorite um, shell environments, Bash, over all those other ecosystems? Me personally, I would lean towards Bash. Yeah. Well, like I said, I mean, you're covering two platforms whenever you do that. Exactly. Um, so, you know, things like, uh, you know, all the tools that you mentioned, um, I, I would just favor the the Linux subsystem, um, you know, especially, especially since now, too, we live in this world where, you know, the cloud is somewhat dominated by Linux. Um, so, so in that case, I mean, you want your dev environment to be as close as possible to your, um, you know, to production. So if I can, if I can run everything in, in basically that same environment and then push it out there, that's, that's super exciting. I'm curious, you know, there, there was, you know, we didn't have news this week, but, um, recently, you know, there was a, a Docker, uh, for windows announcement, which is super exciting. And some of the tooling around that, you know, that, that finally caught up, but again, I'm wondering, you know, can I do Docker stuff? Um, in that Linux subsystem. Um, and it's, you know, using things like Node.js and all of those tools, can I do all that on that subsystem? And that, that's, that's just super exciting. I don't, I don't have to wait for it. I don't have to feel like a second class citizen when it comes to, to some of those things, um, that you'd have in production. Uh, not to, not to like push the, the vlog again, but I did, uh, I think it was in episode, uh, three, I did talk to Patrick Genizon. He is like the man from Docker. Uh, he's the guy that ran the uh, project to get Docker on Windows. And I, I actually saw him. He just was having, <laughs> he was just having lunch at the same place I was. So I totally interrupted his lunch and, uh, and got an interview with him. <laughs> That's what build is for. Yeah. 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 So, and Josh, Josh Holmes was there talking to him as well. And I feel bad because then Josh just had to sit there. He actually had to hold the camera. Uh, <laughs> so thank you, Josh. Uh, shout out to you. He was on a, Josh Holmes, we had him on a previous episode. Okay. Uh, anything else we want to talk about bash? I think we bashed it. Okay. <laughs> I bashed it and then I said good things. No, it, it is, it is awesome. And it's one of the things too. Not only am I super excited for it, I keep getting more and more excited as like these thoughts come into my head. Like, Oh, this, this just makes this way better. So I'm excited. Uh, I, I, one more comment. Okay, fine. uh, So uh, (laughs) I I had said earlier about apt get, um, that was one of the first things I looked for when they, uh, mentioned canonical was the partner. Yeah. Um, so the Ubuntu's, um, package manager's app, apt get, and they said right off the bat, that's how you're going to pull stuff down. Yeah. 
Um, so from the automation standpoint, you know, on Windows, we've had to use tools like Chocolatey and stuff to, to kind of pre-build an environment. Yeah. So taking your idea of Docker and um, the availability of apt-get now, you can literally have environment creation scripts that just totally get you up and running. Yeah. So now you can actually go out to GitHub, right? And someone says, hey, to run this application, you just need to install these dependencies and then you can run the script. Yeah. Well, now you can just run that script. Yeah. Awesome. So I, I think that's like a huge, huge piece of it is the, the third-party dependencies. Absolutely. Okay, so moving on. Action Center in the Cloud. Tell us about this one, Carl. So you're familiar with the notifi- Notification Center slash Action Center. You kind of bring that up. It has any notifications you have. So one of the things that they announced is that it's going to sync across your devices. So if, you, so if you dismiss one, it gets dismissed everywhere. Two... That if you have like an app on your phone and it sends a notification that uh, has an action per se. So let's just say it's an email app that lets you compose an email. If you don't have that app on your desktop, you'll still get that notification. You can still get that action and you can still send that mail. It'll route it to the phone and then, you know, do the logic that the app has to send that email. That is awesome. It'll also have a thing. So if you're a developer, in addition to that, when you're in that scenario where you don't have it on the device, you're doing it, there'll also be a like get app button as well. So you can, if you have it on your phone, but not on your desktop, you'll get it. So here's the best part of it all. So this not only works on your desktop and your phone, but on your Android devices as well. (gasps) So that was like the thing that it was like, (laughs) they kept going and going with this and adding all this stuff. And yeah. uh, Yeah. So, uh, this was a huge announcement. So if you have an app on Android uh, that gives you a notification and you get one on Windows, they'll say stay, stay synced. That is, well. that is so freaking cool. So Paul Therat had an interesting comment on that. He said, if you are a Windows fan and you are deciding between Android and iPhone, he said, now Android is your better choice because just because of that. Exactly. So that was, he had, he had a whole post on it. So I, I think this is really cool. And well, it is. I was, yeah, how about that? Um, you know, something I just noticed the other day, I, I think iOS and OS 10 do it as well. Yeah. Because so not, they do it not to that themselves. extent. What? They do it. They, it does it internally, but it does not allow you to have the APIs to do it in a third party. Oh, of way. course not. Right. Of course yeah. not. Well, I mean, it's Apple. <laughs> yeah, <come laughs> so, <on>. no, and, <laughs> and not, to, not to the extent of Action Center either, right? Because if I don't have the app installed on my iPhone or something yeah. compatible, it's not going to show up. So Action Center, I would argue, is definitely a step ahead here. Yep. Um, but I will say that pre that feature in iOS, that was one of the most annoying things to get a notification on multiple devices, and it would stick around after I dismissed it somewhere. You know, first world problem and all, but super annoying. Yeah, yeah. I mean, one thing that Apple does really well is is I mean, they they did an awesome job with integrating the phone into the computer. I mean, I just took uh, I was downstairs, and I usually take my laptop downstairs when I'm on the tro- well, not usually, like always. I don't take my desktop downstairs, so I take my uh, uh, my Mac down there because my, my laptop is a Mac, and I set that up on the the treadmill desk, and uh, and my mom called. And I'm just like, oh, shoot, because I texted her from my laptop, which by itself is just incredibly amazing, which you can do on Windows now. But uh, I texted her from that. Well, then she called me. And of course, since it knew I was in front of my phone or in front of my laptop, like the laptop rang, you know, the Apple Watch didn't ring. 
and the phone didn't ring. The the laptop rang and I answered it and like, it sounded pretty good. And that, that, that part is always amazing to me that that sort of synergy between all of those devices, like it, it knows what you're looking at, picking the right device and then being able to, to use it on any of those things. And I'm excited that windows is doing that. And I love that it's going a step above and beyond with, with uh, some of the synchronization. So I think they're doing it absolutely right. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's like life changing whenever you get this functionality. So did I, did I hear right when they were announcing this in the chatter that even though it's on Android right now or will be, um, they're working on iOS, aren't they? Aren't they trying to figure so out a, way I, I to specifically do it? asked this question afterwards because they kind of dodged <laughs> it during the thing. And it basically said they're, they're always prototyping this out and they, they have some ideas on how to do it. It's just that right now it, iOS is too locked down. But when it's like, step one, jailbreak your phone. <laughs> <laughs> so, but uh, what they did say is on on Android, it's coming in the Cortana app. So if you want this going forward, install Cortana. And when slash if they ever get it on iOS, it'll be done through the Cortana app as well. Awesome. So one other thing with the Action Center in the cloud yep. is you can also have a live tile that's based upon a notification. So you can have, right. whenever you get a notification, it updates your live tile. So it like pushes data, yeah. Yes. So now uh, they're also just a one-line API that you put in your code that will sync them. So if you dismiss a notification, your live tile gets updated and you won't see it. Awesome. So not only is this all of this going all across the platforms, but across all the features as well. Woo-hoo. Okay. Uh, chaseable live tiles. What the heck is that? Yeah, so you so you don't run around after them. Uh, what it is <laughs> is how, how many times have you had like a, a, a like a live tile that sh- shows like an interesting article, like I don't know, MS Dev Show has a new episode. Let's here's all the details. And you episode click on one hundred. I have to listen to that. Yeah, so you tap on it, and then it's just like, where's that article? Well, there's a new APIs that'll let uh, an app developer know what was on the live tile when somebody tapped on it. And they can route your request accordingly. So now what it can do is it, it'll either bring up maybe that article directly, or maybe it can just prioritize that to make sure that it's on the screen, maybe even in the first position. Uh, that makes sense. So at least you get that signal, though, and then your app can decide what to do. Yeah, so it's still entirely up to the developer, but it gives the developer a lot more leeway and uh, what to do uh, in their application. Okay. All right, so I one other thing that I'm just going to plug with this, this uh, session, it was just chock full of features. There was so many, it was crazy. And not to mention, if you go to the the link in our show notes called Chaseable Live Tiles, just click on that, go to the video, and go to about 37 and a half minutes in, uh, we get a nice little plug there. So if you want to see how Microsoft employees plug wow. things, check it out. <laughs> cool. And then I have uh, a picture in here. And I guess I can't really describe the picture. So you're going to have to go to the website to look at this one. But uh, it's basically the new start menu in action. I don't know what's different on it. Like, I can't quite put my finger in it. I'm sure in it on it. Uh, Carl, uh, what did did you notice was different on this? Um, So I'm actually trying to pull up the... Uh, oh. right now and so we know how ter- <laughs> so we, we we know how terrible my internet is right now yeah so we don't know what's different but th- we have a picture of it so um yeah it's super exciting yeah so <laughs> so actually some of the things that are that are different uh actually no i take that back just yeah just go, I, I, look at the I, picture. I never like i never stare at the start menu so i can't i can't quite figure it out when i start using it though that's when i'm gonna be like oh this is different this is cool 
Infragistics Ultimate UX and UI tools and Enterprise Mobility Solutions, SharePlus and Report Plus, enable high-performance apps on any device, faster data insights, simplified collaboration, and market-leading security, all backed by comprehensive support. With Infragistics Ultimate UX and UI Development Toolkit, you can ensure mission-critical applications delivering a superior user experience on the desktop, web, and native device environments for iOS and Android. With the latest BI tools, wow your users with dashboards providing the data insights that they need when and where they need it, all at a low total cost of ownership. Try it today. Download a free trial at infragistics.com and follow them for the latest updates in UX and UI development, reporting, and collaboration at Infragistics on Twitter. And remember, each week, if we pick your comment on the show, you will get a free copy of Infragistics Ultimate UX and UI toolset. Can, oh, can I ask a question about the start menu? Sure. sure. Uh, just curious, how often do you actually use the tiles on it? Uh, on my tablet all the time. And I don't use tablet mode on my tablet because I found that kind of annoying switching back and forth. On the desktop, I don't think I ever do. Okay. Same, same here on my tablet. But it's quite I, often. I, I, but here's the thing: on every other version of Windows, I never used anything under the Start menu, other, other than, than Start Screen Search or Shut Down. Yeah, I just search for everything. Yeah, so okay. That's how I. Yeah, it. I, no, I, I'm the same way. Um, you know, hit the Windows key, wait yeah. a half second, type in a search. Yeah, yeah. We're I'm not just ex- curious. We're not exactly normal. Yeah, you know, we're so weird. for <laughs> so for for like family members, whenever I set this up, I mean like. My father-in-law, you know, huge sports fan, you know, got his team set up. So they, the scores would pop in the live tile and like, you know, I don't know, he, he was just, he was overly excited about that. Um, and then he never used the sports app. Like he didn't know it existed. And now he's just like, Oh, I like that. He's like, there's really good stuff in there. Thanks for showing me that. Um, so I think normal people probably go in there, um, cause they don't really know what to search for. Like they, for us, we know exactly where we want to be and, we're trying to figure out how to tell the computer to get us there as soon as possible. Whereas I think, uh, quote unquote, normal users are like, um, there's this thing I want to do. What was that? Like, and then, you know, I think they need like those visual cues and stuff. So I, I, I suspect it gets used a lot. Just not, but not anybody, probably everybody who listens to the show is like, I never use it. <laughs> That's pretty much a guarantee. Uh, what's new in the UWP app model. So <clears throat> just as a quick summary, um, about, a little over a tenth of the sessions at Build covered just the new changes to the app model. So this is something that Microsoft is really trying to get out. They've really gone their length to add features and to simplify just how uh, the model it is that runs the app. So, you know, what happens when you start up and shut down background execution, um, how those interact. It's they're, they're making things simpler and simpler. When they came out with Windows 8, they really just tried to – you know, lock everything, lock everything down and make it work perfectly. You know, they kind of realized, you know, like when they did this, they made a lot of compromises that made developers pretty angry Yep. because all of a sudden we can't do some things that we used to be able to do. So they just realized that, Hey, there's a lot of things that we can do to open this up and not sacrifice the intent of creating that app model. So, um, we have, we'll have a link into the show notes. If you want to watch that session, um, there's, just cram packed full of things, some of which might get a little bit boring if we called them out here. 
Yeah. I mean, just, just to provide a little bit of background too. So when we talk about the app model, I think the, the, the simplest way to think of it is, you know, I always think about an AppX. So it's really a, a package that has everything that your application needs to run, you know, across all of the different devices. Um, and it has everything, you know, it's just, it's just a single file. So there were a couple, you know, major things around this. One of them is the, the desktop app installer. So basically being able to take a win 32 app, uh, like let's take paint.net, for example, that one's commonly used, putting that into an Apex container and then being able to, you know, put that in the store and get it through the store model, which is actually awesome because Ac- that- actually you're confusing two things. That is project Centennial. No, I know. Yeah. The desktop and so, uh, uh- I, I yeah. take that back. Desktop installer. There's subtle things. Yeah. No, I know. The app, I'm, the I'm, app I'm installer is new. I'm yeah. getting to that one because it, it all flows together. Yes. Yes. So we does. have the AppX as a package. We have a way of taking our desktop applications and putting them into that AppX and we can submit those to the store. But now you can also double click install them. Um, they just need a, a valid certificate. So, you know, this is this is awesome because the the days of the MSI installer or the installer.exe um, you know, it was just, those were just dark times <laughs> because, you know, that installer, like you have no idea what the heck is doing on your system. Uh, probably things that you don't want it to. And if you want to get rid of it, you know, that it's never going to un- uninstall it properly. Um, probably most people listening. Well, I don't know. I guess I don't know the the age demographics of our audience, but you guys, well, at least Carl might remember this. <laughs> uh, do you, do you remember Carl in the stores when there were all the uninstaller products? Yep. Yeah, there was, it was like the five years of uninstallers because nobody would like actually put a decent uninstaller in their application. So then you had all these uninstallers. And I have no idea how they worked. I'm guessing some giant database or I don't know. They probably broke your computer horribly if, yeah. if, uh, if I had to guess. But anyway, having that Apex package is, is just sweet because it's just that's the application. It's easy to install. It's easy to update. And it's easy to get rid of because it's essentially getting rid of that file. There's some other stuff that goes behind the, on behind the scenes. But Windows can manage it and ensure that it gets cleaned up. And if you and, want more details on that, you can actually listen to our Project Centennial episode that we did last yeah. year, John Sheehan, he covered all of this. So yeah. if you haven't listened to them all, that that was an excellent episode. Yep. So you can take your app, put it in one of these things, and then it's just awesome for distribution. Um, so yeah, I'm excited about that. And my partners, like all of them are like, yes, we're totally putting our desktop applications into that. Um, so people are excited. So uh, I actually- Go ahead, Brandon. You're the guest. (laughs) (laughs) Hashtag Brandon episode. Um, So in the uh, the video, the build video that you you linked to on your blog, um, they they actually go through the creation of a VB6. I hope it's VB6. Yeah, no, I saw uh, that application and package it. So it's uh, if you want to see it, it's around the 21 minute mark. I, I thought I'd never have to see that IDE ever again. And well, he wanted to prove he's like, so just so you know, we're not faking this. You know, he went through the whole process. That was pretty, pretty epic. Essentially, it's using like app V uh, virtualization technology under the hood. Uh, yeah, it is, Carl. Well, not entirely. <laughs> he's shaking it's, his it's, head. It's, it's well, no, of course not entirely. It's not app yeah. V. No. <laughs> I'm saying but, it's using app V technology. It's virtualizing the registry and the file system. And yeah. of course, they've they've spent. They've spent two years making it different from AppV, so I will give you that. But that was that was where they started. Yeah, so I actually had the uh, ability to take an application and have it go through the centennial process. Yep. So so there are there are really two things. You know, the thing that's really getting a lot of uh, attention is this converter application that they have, yep. and that's where you take your installer and you run it in the presence of this converter. And actually, what it does is it spins up a Docker 
container that has a, a known Windows uh, installation on it, and it installs your application. And it kind of like does a diff for a great simplification. Oh, that's how they that's how they monitored. Yeah, the, so so they install? see where you where you're spewing <laughs> registry keys, that's where awesome. you're spewing files, yeah. and they kind of use that to encapsulate and you know. When it removes that installer and you know wraps its own on, it wraps the apex around it, it knows where to put things because, yeah. like you said, it doesn't add to the registry, it adds to the local hive. It doesn't put the certain spots on disk. Yeah. But if you don't have an installer, because you can go to Visual Studio and just kind of you know hit release mode, build it. Um, they actually have an option where they can add a stub project. And you just point it to where your binaries are, and it'll wrap it in the Apex that you need. Oh, that's cool. So, yeah. And that's what I did. And one of the things that, you know, they were really concerned about with my app is I actually do some deep kernel linking. And in the past, when we talked to John last year, that was a big no-no. The APIs that I called were definitely, we're not touching that. But they've opened this up so much that my app worked on the first try and installed fine as a UWP. So one thing to remember though too is these are these have UWP kind of packages, mm-hmm. but in the in the end they're still running WinForms, WPF, console apps. As long as they don't you know need the app uh, to be elevated in permissions or right. interact with a driver, nearly everything has been whitelisted. Yeah. So that's been really cool. Yeah. No, these are these are good times for sure. Uh, edge extension support. So I think this was announced a little bit before bill, but this is still pretty cool. So right now you have to like install these things, but ultimately these things will, the extensions will be in the store. I don't know what else we want to say about this one. Um, the only thing I really want to say is, uh, a lot of these are going to be completely compatible with the Chrome extensions. That way they just work. But under the hoods, they're written on top of a new set of APIs called app extensions. And this is available for any app developer writing a Windows application uh, for UWP apps. And Edge just happens to be a UWP app, and they've written a little bit of abstraction to make the Chrome way of things work. That's awesome. So so the the Edge team has kind of been working with the app-to-app communication team to really flesh and prove this this app extension model out. Okay. Very cool. So if you're interested in Chrome or Edge apps... Uh, having or edge extensions, you might also be uh, interested in how to either add extension support for your application or to write an extension for another application. Okay, cool. And then the next one is Cortana extensibility. So honestly, I don't. What extensibility was in Cortana before this? Do you know what actually changed? Like, so I always I always see like internal stuff, so it's hard for me to tell like where we're at today. <laughs> so you you could pop a Cortana UI. Yeah. So you could inject a few things in there, but it yeah. was really limited. Okay. So it was basic and now it's just expanded. Yes. Okay. That's the short version. Cool. Uh, who put this comment in here? <laughs> was Me. that you, Carl? I put okay. this in here. So Carl, is Windows Phone dead? <laughs> all right. So <laughs> this is some, yeah, this is a comment that I heard all over the place by attendees. I saw in the news. It's like everybody's talking about is Windows Phone dead because you know what? Microsoft didn't really talk about Windows Phone at all. Yeah. And, you know, this just comes to the point that, you know, Microsoft is focusing on UWP. This is the universal Windows platform. Windows Phone is a part of that. Um, As as we go this year, there were a lot sexier things to talk about. Uh, The HoloLens developing kits went out, and uh, that's part of UWP. Uh, We can now, this summer with the anniversary edition, deploy UWP apps to Xbox. 
Um, that's another thing. So this uh, platform that they've built out is just getting bigger and bigger. And at the end of the day, the core of these really is pretty extensive. Um, if you're supporting UWP in any way, shape, and form, you're probably uh, supporting Windows Phone as well. That's a good point. Yeah. As UWP improves, Windows Phone improves. Exactly. And they're they're updating it all the time just by updating one core for Windows. So cool. yes, we'd like to hear more about it, those of us who are Windows Phones enthusiasts, but at the end of the day, it's still getting better. Carl's a Windows Phone. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just, that's not funny. Um, Visual Studio. Okay, so two big announcements here. Update 2 is available now. So you, if you're not running it, go out and download it. Um, I don't really know what's new. I didn't really look into what was new. You know, it's better, faster, stronger, I'm sure. Oh, here we go. RTM. Extensions auto update. Oh, that's huge. Extension auto update. That's pretty cool. Uh, UWP, uh, tool, more tools, developer analytics tools, Python tools. Oh, you know what? Um, in my in that that uh, dev vlog that I was doing, I actually talked to uh, Sarah Itani. We had her on the podcast before talking about the Node tools for Visual Studio. So all of that stuff, it looks like it all revved in the latest version. Um, she won, uh, you know, I wanted to get like a 30 second clip from her. I think I have two minutes in the vlog. And, uh, and, and that was cut down from like 10 minutes. And then I finally stopped her. I'm like, okay, you need to come on the show. So we're going to have her back on the podcast. She just has so much really awesome stuff to talk about. Um, and you know how excited she gets. So she just kept going and going. So definitely want to have her on, but it looks like all that stuff revved. Uh, and then also the, the Azure SDK version revved. So some good updates in there. And then also there's a preview of Visual Studio 2017, I believe is what it's called. Um, and there's a couple of features in there. It looks, you know, there's not a whole lot to see right now. Um, it, it, one of the cool things I saw was that you can show dependencies that are in GitHub. So you can, if you like search for um, reference or search for dependencies, it will actually show uh, GitHub references, which I thought was cool. And then link you into GitHub. Um, there's also this cool ability to search samples without leaving the IDE. So a whole bunch of code samples. I don't know if anybody saw and, anything and on else. That, no, and, and on that sample search, that's something that's actually been extension for a couple of years now. The Bing team has been working really hard yeah. on that. And, it, and uh, it's exciting to see that getting moved into Visual Studio. Absolutely. Okay, let's talk about Xbox. Hey, Brandon, do you have an Xbox? No. You need to get an Xbox, man. I know. What do you have? What is your What is your game system? Do you have anything? I, I'm too busy working to are, play games. Are you a wee, I, Are I'm you productive. a wee man? <laughs> um, we uh, so I had an Xbox 360, but I stopped playing it, and then I wanted to get the Xbox One, but um, it just it never happened. Okay. So I I really I really don't play consoles at the moment. Yeah, I don't either, but my kids do. And we yeah. use it for, you know, we use it for Skype. And uh, I have the USB stick in there for the TV tuner. Um, so when we do watch TV uh, over the air, I use that. Um, it's actually a really nice experience for that. So anyway, uh, you can now turn a standard Xbox into a dev box, uh, which is pretty cool. And remote debugging is supported. So if you're building a UWP app, you just hit... Uh, the, you know, the, the go, the bill or the, the deploy button, and it will deploy to your Xbox. Uh, it'll show up as a remote target and you can step through the code, which is just awesome. Awesome stuff. Um, let's see here. Do, do, do. Also the Xbox apps will ultimately be unified into the windows store, uh, for UWP apps. Um, I do have a link here with some overview, you know, a session with some overview, 
Um, and then I, there's also a page that has some of the limitations and it's kind of obvious stuff. Um, some of this I'm sure is coming, but like, you know, you can't use the camera right now. Um, the, the connect camera, like as a regular camera through the standard APIs, I'm sure that stuff will get resolved over time. Um, and then also on Xbox Cortana is coming over to Xbox with the anniversary update, which will be kind of interesting to see how that, uh, implementation works. Yeah. Another thing that I heard about the limitations as well is, uh, if you have a game, that's a UWP game, they're yeah. not going to let those be installed that way. If you are, have a game that you want to have pushed, you have to go through the traditional Xbox publishing route. Really? Yes. Want want. Okay. Interesting. Uh, HoloLens. So am I supposed to read this verbatim? <laughs> so, um, Carl, how is it? <laughs> no. So we, you and I, that was awesome. I, I, the, everything was yesterday. I said, Carl, call me. I'd like not even think about the HoloLens. And he calls me from his freaking HoloLens, <laughs> which, which is quite the experience. So, so Carl, have you, have you had your wife watch that video? Uh, no, my wife has actually been like really reserved. Uh, hopefully tonight, okay. um, we're going to have some time for, to get her just, to use it. Just but. pick, just pick a non-technology person and mm-hmm. have them watch that video and see if they can figure it out. Cause she started watching it and she's like, I have no idea what's going on here because I didn't even think about how, how complex it is. Cause you're watching a video that I took using a camera that was pointed at my monitor. And that monitor was showing me in a Skype call. And it was also showing you and your Skype video was showing me, um, as seen from your HoloLens. Yeah. So it's confusing. So, so basically my experience while doing Skype on the <laughs> Brand, was, Brandon's was, confused. Was almost normal. It was just putting Jason in his screen in front of me. Yeah. And I could also see everything going on around me. But that's also what Jason well, saw. Brandon will never know. So uh <laughs> Okay. Well, so for everybody listening, like they heard Carl perfectly, but the Skype was giving out, so we couldn't hear him. So did you have a good explanation, Carl? Uh can you repeat that? It got a little muffled for me. <laughs> We couldn't, we didn't hear anything you said, but I'm sure it's on the recording. So did you do a good job? Yes, I did an excellent job. Okay. Then we'll just leave it in there. Okay. okay. So there's a, so in the show notes, we'll have a link to the the video that we took. Uh, so you can see if you can decipher that really confusing video. Cause yeah, from Carl's perspective, he could, or I could see it from Carl's perspective. Cause there's no way in a HoloLens for it to see yourself. Right. Correct. Um, so it was, uh, it was pretty cool. I was, I was on Carl's wall. Um, he hung up a picture of me. It was pretty cool. <laughs> Let's see here. And then there's also, uh, something that was announced was this galaxy Explorer, which is a cool application. Are you running this Carl? I I'm going to be doing it this weekend. I got a, some work commitments to do, but I'm, uh, going to be downloading the galaxy Explorer is the app that they ran a contest for, and then it got the most votes. So Microsoft built it. Um, awesome. it, it's uh, kind of a, a space, one where you can see uh, how the whole galaxy is and all the planets and stuff. Uh, it's pretty cool. And all the source code is out there. So it's just really cool to see how much code Microsoft is putting out there, even when it comes to these really emergent technologies. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you were breaking. We didn't, we didn't catch any of that, but it's all recorded for the listeners. So great job, Carl. Uh, okay. So let's talk about Skype. Ironically. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So there's the new UWP Skype app. Uh, is, is that out now? I don't think it? so. I don't okay. think so. Okay. Well, anyway, it's coming. Uh, so I don't, 
I don't know if this thing is, hopefully this is ultimately going to replace the desktop version and have all the features in there. Uh, but yeah, they're, they're working on it. They announced it. Um, I'm not sure if it's actually available in the store yet, but if it's not, I'm sure it will be soon. Um, and then I saw, I made a note of this Cortana integration for brokering conversations. Um, I think that was like, I can't remember what the integration was. If, if Cortana was like asking if you wanted to call somebody on Skype, I don't remember the details. There was a demo of it though in the, in the beginning. So, so what that one was, is they showed in a, like an example, like, uh, Cortana knew that you had an upcoming flight oh. planned and then she'd like, Oh, when you get there, would you like me to book a hotel for you? Yeah. And that got into our next announcement. Well, before you go on though, it wasn't just that Cortana was actually talking to other people. Yes. So people were like saying, Hey, when are you free? And she's like, let me check his calendar. And then it would check the calendar and then it would go back to you and say, um, Hey, you know, can I put this meeting at 10 o'clock with this person? I mean, that was pretty wild. So it's like a virtual assistant that's, you know, handling those conversations, which is scary and, um, you know, hopefully useful at some point here. That's, I mean, that sounds, if, if it works well, that will be very cool. I'm going to have to fire my assistant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't you do that? Like every week. I mean, you just go through assistants so fast. So I know. Yeah. And what was the next thing then, Carl? Video, or not just video bots, but bots as a whole. Yes. So the bot framework, yep. which which is actually kind of a, a cool SDK. I actually know somebody who, within four hours of that being announced during the keynote, he had the first bot up and going already. Awesome. So is the MS Dev Show bot up and running yet? No, it's not. But uh, <laughs> if, if you can think of a, a few applications, I'd be more than happy to write that for you. Yeah. Well, that guy who wanted to download all the episodes, he said like, you know, Hey, MS dev show, please download episode one through 100. I don't think that's possible. Um, but yeah, no, this is this, I think this is pretty neat. I mean, cause bots are getting more and more pervasive and, um, and this is neat because there's, there's a series of connectors. So you can hook into things like Skype, Skype for business, Slack, you know, you name it, you can hook into those things. And then it's just a framework as well for that, uh, for that conversation. And then we have other things like, uh, Lewis, which is the language and understanding intelligence service. I think it stands for, um, that's capable of understanding and parsing speech. So basically, you know, somebody can ask something 10 different ways, but it will parse that apart and tell you what their intent is and uh, you know, the subjects and, and what they're trying to do. Um, so that paired with the bot framework and all this machine learning and everything, like all this stuff is finally coming together, making it so that you can actually build a somewhat intelligent bot. And there were demos of some like the build bot when you could ask it, you know, like what sessions is Jason young in uh, things like that. And it would actually give answers. So uh, that's pretty cool. I'm excited about this. Um, and then there's also some, uh, uh, there's also this microdiv Microsoft cognitive, which is more of the machine learning side that I was talking about. And I think this is re I think some of this is rebranded from project Oxford. Uh, but you can, if you go to, um, what was the site? There was a site. It was something.ai. Was it caption bot? Yeah. Caption bot, uh, which was a, which, a which was an awesome example of this caption bot.ai so you can upload a picture and you know we've we've talked about like uh, how old.net and twins or not and there's a different one for mustaches uh, but this is pretty neat because you can just upload a, a picture of anything and it will analyze it and tell you what's in it and actually what's interesting the the day of this recording uh facebook 
Um, of course, they got a ton of press. They they sort of announced the same thing, except that they are applying this to their uh, photos. So if you upload a photo, it will um, you know put this in for accessibility. So we have this available as just a general purpose API that you can use in your applications. So uh, there's a picture here of some cows in a field, and it said, I think it's a herd of cattle standing on a field. Uh, so that's pretty cool. I actually uploaded that one picture. I don't know if you guys have ever seen it. It's a guy standing in a suit holding a sewing machine. And in the background, there's like a FedEx or UPS truck that like fell off the cliff. And there's a UPS truck there as well. And then the cops are there questioning. So like it, the thing makes no sense. Uh, and it actually analyzed it and said, uh, there's a guy holding a sewing machine and he looks happy. <laughs> so, uh, it does work. It didn't really explain the background, but at least it explained the foreground. Oh, the link was right here. Unless you added that. Uh, okay. Xamarin. Let's talk about Xamarin. So Xamarin was acquired by Microsoft uh, not too long ago, and now it's uh, it's free. I think that was the hugest announcement uh, for it. Is you know yeah. it's, it was not terribly pricey, but enough to give a lot of people pause. Yeah, free and, is more affordable, clearly. Yeah, and this is going to let a lot more people play around with it and just make that work justification. You know, yeah. a lot of time, you know, budgets get really tight. And when you're talking about a thousand dollars per, per platform, per developer, you know, that can add up if you have a large shop. Absolutely. So yeah, it's free for visual studio customers. It's free for visual studio community customers, which is pretty cool. So visual studio community is free. So you can now develop for free, you know, have the basically the entire environment be free. Uh, there's also uh, Xamarin Studio it, for the Mac is now free with an MSDN. Uh, and then there will also be a free version of Xamarin Studio for the Mac. So it, it's almost like Xamarin Studio Community Edition, um, sort of the community edition for for that, um, you know, essentially that product. Uh, and then also like the Xamarin stuff is going open source. I just love that. They, you know, it just gets purchased and they're like, you know what? Just here's the source code. Uh, you all get it for free and here's all the source code. Let's have a good time. So in, <laughs> I keep, I keep plugging this, but this is purely coincidental. So in that vlog I did at build as well, I met up with uh, James Montemagno um, and I, you know, welcomed him to the, to the Microsoft team. Now we're, we're coworkers. Um, and he's man, that guy is, he's so excited. Uh, after I talked to him, he had to go take a nap. <clears throat> uh, let's see here. Azure. Okay. We're finally to Azure. We should put Azure at the beginning alphabetic order. <laughs> So let's see here. Um, this was one of the biggest things I think Azure functions. So we talked a while back, you know, Amazon had some announcements a while back and I felt compelled to talk about them because one of the things that they announced was uh, AWS Lambda functions, which is a way of putting some code out there and not saying anything about a server. You just say like, listen, when a request comes in, I want you to handle this with this code. Or if this thing happens, I want you to run my code. And then you just pay like per execution. Well, Azure functions is very similar to that. It's the same type of model. So you write some code. You can actually write like a serverless API if you wanted to, uh, which is which is super exciting. This is what I've been waiting for since when I heard about Azure and I think it was about 2009, uh, early 2009. I was like, this is stupid. Why does it work this way? I was waiting for Azure Functions. Um, so you can, you can, for free, you get tons and tons of requests. It's like millions. Um, you can pay for more in like the serverless model, but you can also associate servers with this thing and get, um, you know, basically, uh, provision the exact amount of cap capacity that you want. So I am, I'm really, really pumped about this. I just haven't gotten a chance to, to try it out yet, but I would love to just switch all backends over to this. 
The only downside before I make it sound like it, everything is perfect. And I didn't realize this, this also happens on AWS and this makes sense. Like this happens everywhere and they're working on reducing this is that there is a cold start time because if you figure this is like a distributed thing, it has to get your code to the, to the place where it's being requested from. So if that makes sense, oh, cold start time, we're talking like a few hundred milliseconds that's on one request. And then after that, it's super fast. Oh, uh, let's see here. I already said that one service fabric. One of my favorites, uh, platform. We, you know, we did a podcast on it not too long ago. It's for building, you know, large distributed applications, uh, that went GA. So generally, generally available. So start, you know, pushing your stuff out to production now. Uh, they also announced Linux and Java support. Um, so that's really exciting. Now that'll be neat seeing that on Linux as well. And that already runs in Azure and it will run on-prem. I always answer a lot of questions like that. They're like, oh yeah, that's fine. But I need it to work on-prem, you know, the same way. It absolutely works exactly the same. In fact, I don't think they wrote anything Azure specific other than some of the providers for hooking into storage and things like that. It literally is the same code. Um, IoT starter kits for sale. Did you guys see this one? You so, buy. Yeah, go ahead, Carl. So how, how is this different than the existing starter kits, or is it just uh, expanded beyond the Raspberry Pi ones? Because um, I know you could get the Adafruit no Raspberry Pi ones for a while. Oh, really? And had all the wires and all that yes. kind of stuff? Okay. Then I don't know. So, but it, you know, in my guess, <laughs> though, more it would of be, them? yeah, um, there's the M- M0 kit, the Huzzah. Uh, so it's just supporting other IoT devices other than the Raspberry Pi. Yeah. So, I mean, the Raspberry Pi is is a great device, don't get me wrong, but it is a pretty big, hefty device for certain applications. Sometimes you just need that, you know, the bare minimum to get things going. And that's yeah. where I think some of these other system-on-a-chip uh, offerings uh, provide just as much value for uh, less cost. Yeah, and a shout-out to the fans that came up to me. I was helping run the IoT labs at Build. And I had some people come up to me and say that they were fans. So that was, that was super awesome. Um, Cause I was helping run some of the IOT labs. We were using a raspberry Pi three with the Fez hat on there. And it was really cool. Cause we were doing like blinking lights and actually Carl, you came in and, and you did that. And you also hooked into the uh, IOT hub. I think it's amazing. I mean, an hour was really tight for that one, but the fact that people got up and running an application on the Raspberry Pi from scratch that could read temperature and humidity, push that up to Azure, and then also do command and control back down from Azure, from the cloud, to talk to that device and turn off lights. That was amazing to me that people go from like zero to like functioning IoT solution in an hour. That was just baffling to me. Yeah, and if uh, anybody else wants to do those hands-on demos that there were, all of the code is up online. So if you go out and purchase the same materials that are, I mean, the the list is out there. So all the yeah. hands-on demos for all the different things for big data, UWP, et cetera, um, that's all out there. Yeah, you just need a Pi, which is 35 bucks, Fez hat for 35 bucks, and then you need the um, <clears throat> an SD card for the OS. It takes like 10 minutes to set up. It's pretty easy. Uh, Document DB has some significant announcements. Uh, so one of them is global databases. So uh, globally distributed databases. That's pretty exciting. Um, they also did something that I know that there were a lot of requests for. They decoupled like the size. I think there's two metrics, and I, I might be mix, missing them up or messing them up, but I think it was like size and throughput. Um, those two things were tied together. So if you wanted a faster database, you also had to get a bigger database and vice versa. And people always sort of felt like they were getting ripped off, even though they really weren't. Um, you know, you're getting it for free, <laughs> uh, whatever you, you buy one side, you're getting the other side for free, but people didn't really see it that way. Those things now are decoupled. 
Uh, so now I think that'll make a lot of people happy just being able to, to adjust those separately. Um, and then the biggest news I think on document DB was, uh, you can just use MongoDB drivers against it now. So it basically has a MongoDB front end, um, essentially meaning that the on-prem version of document DB, I guess is MongoDB now. Um, that was always an issue because document DB was cloud only. Um, and now you can use MongoDB locally. And then you got to, you know, you got to care for it and manage it. But then whenever you go up into the Azure side, you can use this using the MongoDB interface and uh, it's fully managed for you, which is exciting. Uh, Power BI embedded. You guys do anything with Power BI? Yeah. Um, actually, we were in awesome. the preview that had this uh, feature cool. enabled. And yeah, it's really cool being able to just pop an iframe on your website and have a live updating, uh, you know, dashboard to your metrics. So... That I think is a different feature actually. Oh, embed. So there's, there's the, I don't, I can't remember what that's called. That's called like web sharing or something, but you, where you, you embed it in an iframe. Then there's also integrated mode and embedded mode. And I know this is a little confusing. So, um, embedded mode is the new fun is the new feature that was announced here. The one you were talking about also is, is about the same time frame. but this one here is really for, um, embedding those charts into your application. So if you look at like how Dynamics AX works, um, that's an application where they're using Power BI, but you don't even know you're using Power BI. You're just getting all those Power BI charts. Um, and you get a ton of control over, you know, how that works, how things get passed into the URL. Um, and then there's this different pricing model because the user that's using it doesn't have to have a Power BI subscription. In the integrated model, uh, you're assuming that your user has a Power BI subscription and that's actually how it's charged. And the way that you integrate that into your site is a little bit different. For anybody who cares, they they probably sort of understand what I'm talking about. But uh, the mode that you're talking about is for, you know, I'm looking at a dashboard or a widget and I want to share it with everybody. Like I want to embed it in the MS Dev Show website and I just want to let everybody see it. And that's a cool feature as well. So lots of, I mean, Power BI is moving at an insane rate. They release, I want to say, like once a month, and it's it, always a bucket of features. To me, it seems like they're trying to do everything they can to get everybody off of all the other reporting things that Microsoft has ever done. Absolutely, so, yeah. Which is good because, you know, SSRS and everything else that came before it was kind of painful. Yep, this is the way forward. Um, although, you know, before I get a whole bunch of mail, though, like those things still exist. And actually, <laughs> actually, like the, the next version of SSRS, I mean, there's like there's stuff going into it. I don't even know what I'm supposed to say, but they're like it's that's getting better as well. Um, let's see here. This was kind of cool. Uh, so face, I think it was Facebook. I, I could be totally botching this, but Facebook had this service called parse. Lots of people depended on it. Facebook said, ah, just kidding. You can't use it anymore. Uh, so they're pulling the plug on it. Well, it was all open source. So it was um, a whole bunch of really smart people on our side. I wish I had like a list of the names because they, they deserve a whole bunch of credit. But like, I, I want you to understand like how fast this happened internally because this wasn't announced until build, but like within there was stuff in GitHub. If you, if you followed the right people and you watch like some of the right sources, like we had this running in Azure, I want to say like two days later. Um, and then it was just a matter of like streamlining this whole thing to make it really easy for people to get up and running with this. So if you were left, you know, um, left out on your own because Facebook abandon is going to abandon it. Uh, you know, we got your back. You can run all this stuff on, on Azure and it's, it's super streamlined now, which is super exciting. I just, I just love, it was just, we were, I mean, there was a lot of like padding on the back, you know, internally, like how fast that happened. It was just like, this is so exciting. Cause we actually had a couple people ask for it internally. They're like, 
Hey, we should do this. And then a couple developers step forward. They're like, we, we already did. Like we did that yesterday. Uh, just shows how easy some of this stuff is. I shouldn't say it's easy. I mean, it was a lot of work, but how, how quickly you can get this stuff done. Uh, Azure has some new instance sizes. There's some, uh, a couple different configurations for the DV2 instances. Uh, so there's a, there's a, there's a, one of them is, uh, 20 cores, 140 gigs of Ram, one terabyte SSD, eight NICs. And this is what blows my mind is 40 discs, which is really cool. Especially whenever you consider that you can do striping across those and get more performance. If you're going to do that though, talk to me first. Um, cause you should look at premium storage. Yeah. I, I just, <laughs> I can't believe just how easy it is to put together a high powered machine yeah. in the cloud to do stuff. Well, this isn't even the biggest, like this isn't even like the G series are the big ones, right? So you can right. go to 32 cores. Um, I think it's still a terabyte of SSD. I think it's a terabyte of memory or half a terabyte. Um, you know, so it's a lot more, it's just, it's, it's, it's crazy. Uh, let's see here. Azure badge for Linux preview, uh, which is pretty cool. Um, I don't know what else I want to say about that. So that's the framework for breaking apart tasks and running them in a distributed fashion. Uh, this is a big one for anybody using Azure, um, especially bigger businesses, storage encryption preview. So you could always, this is a little confusing because the client libraries for Azure storage, um, as of like months ago, and I think we announced it on the show had client side encryption. Uh, where you supply a key and it would encrypt everything. And then, you know, nobody could see that data except for you because you held the keys. Um, this is this is kind of the same way, except it's it's on the server side or on the Azure side, it's handled for you. And then you get, you know, basically transparent decryption whenever you're um, interfacing with certain things. So this is, um, for a lot of people, this, this is really what they were looking for. Um, storage roadmap announcements. I don't think I have a list here, but they're, the storage team... Yeah, they're not just sitting around. They're working on some really cool stuff. So we talked about the encryption. Um, uh, just kind of skimming this real quick. I don't see. So I, while you're skimming, I, yep. I gotta say, storage is probably one of my favorite Azure features. Yep. I probably use that more than anything. It's it's just so amazing to be able to put together just a container that's easy to get to, easy to share data uh, with applications, people, um, right? Like I I use it personally instead of like. You know, back old school, like an FTP server. If I need to share stuff with clients or whatever, I have a, a Blob storage account. I just throw stuff on yeah, and give it to them. Absolutely. And then now with like uh, encryption and stuff being supported, uh, that's going to play really well, like in the world of like HIPAA and PCI, um, all that stuff. It just, it's, it's amazing. I love that storage. And just product. stay tuned. They are working on some really cool stuff. So. Uh, that's just stay tuned. Okay. Azure SDK 2.9. Did you guys dig into this and take a look at what's new in the 2.9? No, let's see tools for Docker preview key vault support for arm templates, event hubs for Azure diagnostics. That's pretty cool. Uh, data lake tools for visual studio. That's pretty significant. Um, Azure resource manager tools for visual studio code. That's really significant. I'll take a look at that one. Yeah, so lots of good features in there. So if you're interested in that, check that out. We'll have a link. Uh, ARM template debugging. This one is pretty huge because this is this has been a big issue. So you know, obviously, you can use my website armviz.io for um, creating your ARM templates. Uh, but the problem is, you you come up with this masterful design, you hand it over to Azure, and you say make it so, and Azure goes, oh, something went wrong. And you're like, <laughs> no. Uh, so that's that's like my biggest gripe with yeah. with ARM. Because I, I've been using ARM on and off since it was introduced. Yep. And 
trying to figure out where the problems were in the template has always been a pain. So much so that on some projects, I actually converted over to PowerShell commandlets. Yep. Because at least that gave you feedback. Well, Good feedback. now there's a debug flag. Perfect. So quit your complaining. <laughs> <laughs> I censor myself. Um, let's see. Office 365. I think I'll cruise through these unless you guys stop me. Uh, let's see here. Do, 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 do. Ribbon extensibility. That's probably the biggest one. So you can actually add an item into the ribbon for your, um, office 365 extensions. Now keep in mind that the new office 365 extension model is, you know, JavaScript and it works across everything. So, you know, iPhone, windows, so I know some of those platforms are, don't necessarily support extensions yet, but you know, it's just a matter of time. The ones that are missing. Um, so if you're on a Mac PC, whatever, like you write that extension one time and it runs everywhere. That's the huge advantage. And now you can actually put that right into the ribbon. Um, general availability of the office 365 group connectors, uh, general availability of the Skype for business SDK. And I know there's a whole bunch of really cool stuff in there. Uh, let's see here. Calendar integration. Oh, this was, uh, this was around the Cortana stuff. So Cortana actually can schedule things for you and those will show up in your calendar. That looked really cool. Uh, there's also, you can sideload add-ins now, which is pretty cool. You don't have to go through the store. Uh, that was it for the office 365. I'm probably not doing that justice. So I apologize to you office 365 fans are just running out of time. And then SQL server 2016 RC one is available. So release candidate one. Oh, All right, okay. so I I just like to give kind of my like reactions as my you know my yeah. overall recap. Carl's so, reaction video, yeah, not a video, but um. So in the past, Microsoft has had these really huge announcements for Build, and there was no large announcements. But I I keep looking at everything that did that they did announce. I mean, they had tons of small announcements all throughout the keynotes that even more kind of some of them were actually bigger than the announcements that were in the keynotes and some of the breakout sessions. It was really like Microsoft killing it by a thousand small, awesome things. Yeah. They didn't have those two or three massive things, but they had a thousand awesome, small things when it's polishing and then also bringing things together, you know, like, like the bot framework, like I said, it's, it's really, I don't even see it as just the bot framework. I think it's, also incorporating all these things that have, have sprouted up over the past two years. Like it wouldn't be anything without that language understanding and some of those other features. Um, so yeah, I mean the, the Xamarin thing was clearly big, but you're right. I mean like all these are just things like we just like, Oh, we wish we had these features and now we have them. So I just, I just feel like much better having these things. <laughs> yeah. I want to say bash is a big, yeah. yeah. No, it, um, is. it is. Cause I was watching Twitter when all these were going down and Bash was talked about until the very end yeah. of the actual video. Oh, yeah. And then, and then in addition, Build was just done entirely different than it had been done in the past. So in the past, um, you would get you know all your sessions, and a few days later, they'd show up as videos. If you paid attention, uh, right after the first keynote, there are a couple hundred videos that were pre-recorded that were out there already. So even if you went to build, you don't, you didn't see all the content, even if you could go to everything. So there's tons of stuff. I highly suggest going out, checking out channel nine and the things that you're interested in, maybe browse uh, some of your favorite speakers. There's just a lot of great stuff. Uh, they also had these 20 minute sessions. So instead of doing just big hour sessions, they had these, uh, a lot of smaller sessions that you could go to in between. Uh, in the past, they kind of always had meet the experts area, which was, where you could meet members of the team and ask the people themselves, the PMs and devs that work on the projects, what, you know, you know, ask them your question. This time they were available the, for every team the entire time. So if you wanted to talk to somebody 
on a certain, you know, feature of Azure, they were there waiting for you to give them feedback. Awesome. So let's wrap this up. So you can find all these announcements at msdevshow.com. We'll have everything here and pretty much all the big things that we talked about. We have hyperlinks in there to the relevant places. So that'll help you navigate to the right places on channel nine, all the stuff that we were really excited about. Uh, So Brandon, where can people find information about you? Uh, Hashtag Brandon episode. Yep. Uh, otherwise, uh, on Twitter, uh, at Brandon Martinez or BrandonMartinez.com. Perfect. And Carl, where can people find information about you? You can find me on Twitter at Carl Schweitzer. Awesome. And you can find me at YTechie.com. You can find me on Twitter at Twitter.com slash YTechie. And that new dev log that I was talking about, uh, the easiest way, it's got kind of a crazy URL. So I made a shortcut so you can go to aka.ms slash Jason. And that will actually take you right to the channel nine page. And I'm going to keep putting new videos out there. If there's something you want to see in particular, let me know. Cause I'm just kind of obsessed about video right now. So and Brandon, it, oh, go ahead, Carl. I would say in addition, we'd really like to thank everybody who gave us those submissions for the sway yeah, giveaway so and much. congratulations to Tim for winning it. And uh, Jason, happy hundred episodes. Yeah. Happy hundredth episode guys. So Brandon, thank you for joining us. Yeah, yeah, cheers. Thank you for joining us for our 100th episode. Thanks for having me as always. 